0: To 64, a chess podcast. I am David Visgon once again coming at you live from Copenhagen, Denmark. And uh, I have a very, very special episode this week because uh, joining me today are the three members of the Chess Pit podcast hailing from uh, the UK. I don't know exactly where. We'll talk about that in a sec, uh, like the specifics. But um, I don't know if you guys have been watching uh, Spider Man, but if you haven't, don't watch it because this is the only crossover event you need. you know, two chess podcasts going at it. We're gonna have a really fierce, uh, vi- hopefully like some hateful discussion. You know, when you know we need to have some uh, malice. So, uh, why don't you guys just introduce yourself? Typically, I have one guest, but I have three guests. So, joining me today is John Mackenzie, Phil Makepeace, and Robin Sarfas. So, why don't you guys each introduce yourself? Uh, let's start with Robin.
1: Alice in the palace. Yeah, I'm a uh, Robin. I'm sort of the chess bit neophyte. Uh, I'm the kind of a sort of a well, they just needed a third warm body, uh, and, and I'm if nothing, if not warm. So uh, yeah, hey
2: everyone. Well, if Robin is the malice in the palace, I'm the edge in the hedge. So I, I'm just uh, I just sit there and just criticise Fido while Robin and John actually talk about proper things on the podcast. Uh, I also do. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to do with the quiz in 2022, but that's been a, a long. A, John has been a long-suffering uh, participant in, in my terrible chess quizzes, uh, over the now, last couple of years
0: on your show. So you, on your show, you have chess quizzes. Now what, what, what you guys talk about in terms of like quizzing?
2: Oh God. I mean like, uh, one, the the best one we've ever done was chess or cheese, where I had to, um, <laughs> had to identify, uh, whether the, the word was a, the surname of a titled chess player or the name of a cheese and Chris who was on the podcast in 2020, And John both did absolutely terribly identifying these guys, and we did amazing. It was great, yeah. So fun stuff like that. We we don't take ourselves too too uh, seriously at all.
1: My favorite, (laughs) uh, my favorite cheese is actually a a nice slice of blue Luke McShane.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
2: True. Yeah.
3: Robin doesn't actually know who Luke McShane is. (laughs) This is this is the this is what he's trying to overcome. (laughs) That's that's incredible about him.
1: The the quizzes is actually quite triggering for me because I was before I was on this podcast was a long time listener and I used to sort of like pull my hair out at john's inability to name like even the most sort of like <laughs> famous and eminent of chess players but then we did one recently which was about the um this was like a very sort of like niche quite difficult quiz about the fide rapid and blitz and john just turned into rain man <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and he pulled out answers like Bado jabava and all this <laughs> and stuff and beat me on like a point score of something like 368 that's to hilarious. like two
3: that's amazing um, yeah wow I'm learning. I'm learning. Phil Phil and Chris used to go on and on about Jabava. So that's the only reason I had him in my head. I couldn't name you anyone in the top ten. <laughs> and I suppose <laughs> that's a bit <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Luke McShane, is he in there? Yeah, probably.
2: You are the chess really. hipster, John.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it that is probably a good place to introduce myself because I'm the guy who doesn't know anything about chess on the podcast. So um yeah. And my name's John for those no. people who hadn't. Now, Peace John is
0: also a Leeds United fan, uh, marching on together, me and, mm. me and uh, John both. We talked about this a little bit on uh, my appearance on your podcast. Um, yeah, so that's that's a little intro. Uh, Phil, Robin, John, thanks so much for coming. Uh, and to my listeners, uh, first of all, I just want to thank you all for listening in uh, 2022. We've had some great numbers already. And I'll invite you to uh, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash 64podcast. The link is in the description. And they also have a YouTube channel. Check that out, 64, a chess channel. The link is also in the description. Lastly, I'd like to thank my uh, sponsor, Aim Chess. You can use code DAVID30 to get 30% off your first month with Aim Chess. The link is also in the description in case you forget. Um, I guess let's just keep it rolling. Uh, The first question I'll talk to you guys about. So, you know, you've been doing this chess podcasting thing a little bit longer than me. Um, We can debate who the best chess podcast is, although I think there is a clear answer. Uh, It's obviously mine. (laughs) Um, um, but I guess I want to, I want to ask you guys, like what I've talked about chess podcasting before and kind of how, um, you know, let's say when you look at a lot of these like chess contents on, on YouTube, all of it has a chessboard on it. And then when you're kind of taking something that is such a visual game at its heart and trying to talk about it more in like a podcasting kind of way, um, do you think that there's something that kind of gets lost in the, in the sauce? And uh, really why I'm asking this is because I think that your brand of podcasting, it, it kind of like feels like, you know, you're just sitting on the couch with your friends talking sports. That's kind of what it is with with the three of you guys. I think it's a, like amazing vibe to have um, probably if you're British, even more so, because um, I, I will admit some of the, some of your jokes kind of uh, get over <laughs> a little over my head, um, but I'm learning. That's what's important. I don't know <laughs>
1: if that's us being British or you being American. Oh, yeah, <laughs> For us not being very funny
0: right yeah no, also a potential i think you guys are hilarious actually well that's why i'm glad to have you on so uh, i guess let's just let's just start with that like what do you, what do you think are like the pros and cons of chess podcasting basically when it comes to actually discussing the the sport or the game
3: i think maybe a good place to jump in is like we started this podcast because i'd spoken to phil and said one, it doesn't really feel like there's many chess podcasts. But when there are chess podcasts, they they do devolve into sort of long lists of notation. And I was someone who, at that point, really wasn't going to get anything out of that kind of chess podcast. And um, I was someone who'd who'd fallen in love with with chess because of the culture that uh, sort of hangs around it. Uh, and I thought, why not why not make something that's maybe a little bit more narrative driven, a little bit little bit more culture culture focused? And and that's sort of where we went from. So, um, I would say that 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 aspect of of chess is something that I really like, and I was amazed that there wasn't really more of that stuff. so for for me anyway, that was why I thought chess would be a, a decent sort of podcasting subject.
1: yeah, I think that the the different I mean obviously, like you can't really talk about chess podcasting without talking about perpetual chess, right? and um Ben is like like is, is you know everyone will always say it's like the og and it's sort of done what's amazing is that he's sort of done it for so long now and it's kind of really, um, you know, he's basically everyone who's almost everyone who's anyone in chess has kind of been on that show. And it's, you know, he's really well respected there. But that's very much like you you go to that show because you are interested in chess and you want to actually hear what the sort of chess content and often like it's an interview show primarily. So often you go in there and the the people who's interviewing, I mean. You know like have really interesting stuff stuff to say about chess but aren't necessarily themselves kind of like interesting exciting people right they're not you know i guess i don't know what the equivalent of like telegenic is or whatever for an, an audio me whereas i think like when you listen to a podcast with sort of like a regular kind of group of people on it, it is far more about like that vibe of like people are yeah just sat around sort of having a chat like a lot of the podcasts i listen to i listen to because it's like it's just sort of like quite, almost like comforting to hear the sort of vo- the voices you know. Of these people who sort of, uh, I guess you sort. It's not you don't have to be interested in what they're saying, right? I don't think anyone's interested in what we're saying, <laughs> but nonetheless, they like hearing us t- talk. I hope so.
2: Yeah, I mean, what Robin's nearly said there is that we're all very interesting and exciting people, and therefore we we have opinions that we know that everyone will want to uh, to hear. Uh, I think the 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 dynamic we've got as you say yeah, it's very it's kind of i mean i think we're closest maybe to like around the nfl or something like that exactly what i was thinking yeah yeah just just three three people who have you clearly get along and there's never any real you know i don't think we. i just like to say at
3: this point i really don't like the other two okay (laughs) (laughs) just to get it off my chest oh no we'll pretend that we we do like each other yeah (laughs) yeah well I i think
0: well remember before on on uh, on my episode with you guys how you know a therapy space i i i'm returning the favor now if you guys want to like talk about how much you <laughs> dislike each other i mean this is the place this is the place
2: anyway, um yeah. i basically have massive jealousy for the posters in the background of robin's uh room <laughs> always he, he always has really good 65 days of static poster we we enjoy it. the other side robin <laughs> no no yeah, i'm a, looking
1: around at what other ones because there's a mono one up here as well oh. There's like a 65 days of static print just above my screen from um heavy sky i think so, yeah robin
2: actually has some culture in his room that we can see every week whereas john and i just have coats <laughs> yeah but
1: those
0: are <laughs> nice those are nice
1: coats,
2: though. that's all the... that's all we that that's all actually, we ever do
1: that is actually phil does turn out well in that coat yeah mm. it does look very smart i must i must say
3: and robin also owns this coat too <laughs>
1: Oh, what the red one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think that's at my mum's actually. Wow. we were
3: we were on the same football team together, and that yeah. was the the training basically, jacket. Basically, we hate each
2: other, but we like each other's sartorial styling. This is why yeah. we get along. This is why we can do we a good thing. Admire each other. Yeah, yeah. We have, yeah,
1: we have we have um we have enough sort of like culturally and like and aesthetically in common that you would think we would get along, and then we actually have to sort of engage with each other on a personal level and that's where it sort of falls apart. Our <laughs> friendship's much better in principle than in, in practice.
2: <laughs> this is why John moved away from London. He he just couldn't stand it anymore. He just,
1: yeah. yeah. So how did you
0: guys meet?
2: John and I were gonna meet in Paris, at the Women's World Cup uh soccer, and we never managed it. I, mean, I think we were both there at the same time and then just didn't quite do it. And then six months later, so that was summer 2019. And then six months later John got in touch with me to say fancy a drink let's talk about a possible podcast and I dragged Chris of this parish along and then uh, we just went for it and then John you
3: already knew Robin? Yeah Robin and I were at university together so we met in we've been coming
1: up coming up 10 years now we've been friends Um, yeah yeah, we were um, we were both at uni together and kind of a at uni i think we're sort of kindred spirits to the extent of we uh, we talk about how much we hate each other but we hate everyone else we were at uni with way more, <laughs> more yeah. so uh, yeah yeah so it was sort of like a uh, the enemy a of my enemy en- yeah <laughs> the enemy of my of my enemy is my friend kind of thing uh and stuff and then i wasn't i i sort of uh, came on i was a kind of a guest on the show when um when, when Chris was still more regular and uh, stuff, a couple of times, and then it would come on more recently. And then I, I I know Phil from that. Oh, John, I've got to ask, right? At this point, what percentage of your friends are people you've met on Twitter?
3: Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. It's, it's not insignificant. I'd say the majority of my good friends at the moment, probably about 50%, I met on Twitter. So yeah, okay. that's a good space. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think with Twitter, you find that y- y- you can sort of like curate your friends a little bit better than you can like in real life because especially now because i'm living in the north of england and don't really know anyone in the area so um twitter yeah but then there's also the flip side
0: too right where like you know you you have like one one like uh, rep- one nice reply thread with somebody and then suddenly like they're trying to become besties with you and it's, like what like gives- i do
3: have some reply guys on twitter yeah um but that's nice i just i just sort of let the uh, egotism wash over me
1: <laughs> this is a uh, this is a uh, this is David's way of trying to tell me to stop replying to his stuff.
3: <laughs> no, not at all. I no, you, you, you no, that's not that's you were
0: absolutely were not the person I was thinking of. No. When it says that? Actually, I mean, I don't think I have any reply guys on Twitter. Um Maybe, maybe one day, Um,
1: maybe one day someone will actually reply to (laughs) maybe I'll get, I'll get an impression on a tweet.
0: For the record, I actually, by the way, my Twitter at 64 podcast, Um, just plugging it, but uh, I actually, I actually do like interacting with people on Twitter because I try to give pretty sensible takes, you know, there aren't, there aren't enough insane people on chess Twitter in terms of takes like we need to, you know, like when it comes to basketball. Like, for example, you always have people who will just come and say something like, I, I don't know how well-versed you guys are in basketball. I know Robin is wearing a Spurs jersey, but, like, somebody will always be on Twitter and say something crazy like, uh like, Blake Griffin is the best player in the NBA. like, And you'll get, like, 100 likes or something. They'll pull up some analytics. Like, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but we don't have – Yeah, maybe it's just because of how chess actually is, but we don't have anybody going on here and being, like – like uh yeah, Radislov Vitecek is the greatest chess player of all time. Like, we need speak some for yourself. Like yeah. <laughs> Rockets
1: Tw- Rockets Twitter is big on this. Like, Alvan Shengun is the best passing big man of all time. In in that that sort of that Which sort is of slander
0: uh, to 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 Sabonis, by the way. Yeah,
1: the um, I think part of it is because Twitter, you don't have like fans. Don't exist in quite the same way, right? In sports, because everyone has a team in like sort of team sports, like. The NBA say everyone has a team, right? And so they're just going to be inclined towards their own players, and, and bias is going to sort of grow out of that. And so people are going to just have weird, skewed takes. Whereas I think chess is there's a certain degree where it's kind of like objective. You can just look don't, like play players play games head to head. You can't say this player actually is you know better than this player, but they just had a worse team around right. them or, or or whatever. For example, there's no circumstances like that. It's very um chess. Chess sort of the way it's run, you does you kind of uniquely distill who it who are the best players. I
3: think so. Um. Mm-hmm. But I do I kind of that, I think the Nepo is better than Carlson. He just had worse seconds.
0: Yeah, that's what it was. Definitely. I think
3: <laughs> I think Nepo is, is better
1: at is better is a better chess player than Carlson. I just think he makes worse moves when he plays. <laughs> that's a, just yeah, that's tal- it, you're right, it, it doesn't really
0: it doesn't really like play well. Like that, that those kind of things, if you did some analogy with basketball, you could like BS your way through it.
1: You just you come know, across as like you're an Anish Giri-style troll, right? That's yeah. Like
0: the... I, mean, I mean, the funniest thing to me was like like during at the start of the pandemic, whatever, like that first summer 2020, like when it was a Magnus Carlsen tour final, like it was Hikaru versus Magnus. And I remember that's when it, it coincided with this big Twitch peak. And so you had, like, all these, like, you know, basketball and, like, football, like, stan accounts basically, like, replying to each other. Like, you know, somebody would say, good luck, Magnus. And somebody would reply, L plus ratio plus Hikaru better. (laughs) Like, that stuff was, I I don't know. That that stuff just, like, made my week. Like, and (laughs) I really wish that there was, like, more people like that. Actually, this is a good segue into the main thing I wanted to talk about on this podcast. Because we had this discussion when I was on your show, which, first of all, thank you for having me. We started kind of talking about... um, just like what like chess media is kind of missing right now, and I wanted to pick up on that discussion again a little bit, because um, they're in the news right now. I don't know how how much you guys have been following with the chess news, but basically, uh, World Chess, who's running the FIDE Grand Prix, was trying to get a cut from players' sponsors. So, for example, if you had a sponsor on your jacket. Uh, World Chess, which is has some relation to FIDE, but they're like they're two separate organizations. It's a commercial like, partner, basically. Yeah, it, yeah, right. They're commercial partner. Um, but that also doesn't quite explain it because there's some shady thing. They there's some contract was signed a long time ago that FIDE can't get out of and they can't stand their ground. Anyway, all this goes just to say that, uh, basically, if like Anish Giri has like some you know financial sponsor or whatever, he can't actually wear them on his jersey, on his I say jersey, on his you know shirt or on his suit jacket without fide slash world chess getting a cut and there's been this whole mess and players are very upset because it's hard enough for them to make money as it is but also you know sponsorships brings more attention to the game and this kind of discourages sponsors from paying for players if you know if you want to give someone a hundred thousand and some some organization is taking half of it or more then how is that like how is that fair to you um so i i kind of just wanted to to talk a bit more generally like each one of you i guess can just uh give your opinion on this like what do you think like chess media is really doing wrong right now in terms of like maybe popularizing the game or just in terms of like just in terms of like actually like uh presenting and, and talking about like the world of chess
1: bill has a really great one on this
2: do i yeah you might want to tell me because i I've we got.
1: Just, we were talking about our uh, streaming
2: Oh, okay, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that one, okay, yeah, I'll I say my first, the one I was going to say, um, so what's missing, or what, maybe not what's missing, but what the reality is with chess media, is that everyone has their own sort of, I was going to say dog in the fight. That's not what they say. Is it? That's the, I've mixed my metaphors there. What, what's the metaphor I want? Uh, everyone everyone's has got
3: their cat among the pigeons.
2: They've got their, <laughs> they've got their own... They've got their own... Uh, yeah, something in the game. The skin in the skin, game.
3: Skin in the game, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, they've got skin an agenda, in,
2: right? They've got an agenda. They've got... Uh, um, everyone is kind of linked in some way to like... If you did like a, a kind of tree of who controls chess, you've basically just got like these big... Companies, chess24, chess.com. Um, I mean, Lead Chess are trying their best, but they don't really do anything it's, like important. They're just kind just of a run. too moral to be able to be exactly right? right. It's um,
1: like, like Yankee UXO Phil, the album, which has got all of the record companies' links to a uh, to uh, well, a to, to, the to, like, album. to yeah, 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 yeah. You have the vinyl copy, it has all the links between the record companies and like weapons dealers and stuff,
2: yeah. So basically, everything in the chess because it's so small there's no real space for true independence and what you get is basically the same story just repeated ad nauseum there's there's very little room for actual kind of independent thought uh we try our best because we we have no paymasters but the, the the reality of that is that we don't get any pay uh but the 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 space we try to fill is ac- holding people to account like that so i think basically if there were, yeah, more independent dissenting voices because we, I mean, we probably bore our listeners to tears. Just, I mean, I bore our listeners to tears talking about FIDE, but they're just, they're just a, a bunch of thugs, really. Um I mean, yesterday, Nigel Short, the FIDE Bryce president, was mocking mental illness on a public forum. Like, I mean, what, what the hell is are we doing having these people in charge of the game? And but the your, your likes of your, your major players in the chess media won't won't call that out. They just won't. I mean, I'm they, I'm drawn to talk. Uh, think about uh, this um, English sports journalist called Jonathan Liu, who is he works for the Independent and a few other things. And he the Guardian now. Yeah, okay, and he's always just the guy you can rely on to just call out all the bullshit in the sports world.
1: David Kahn used to do a lot of that. Yeah, ball, right? in, yeah,
2: but there's there's no one I can think of in the chess space who who isn't in some way tied to Magnus or tied to like NRK, the Norwegian broadcaster, or Chess Twenty Four or Chess or uh, Chessable. They they all have um, skin in the game, and I think what would help chess is to have someone like Levy Rosman have like their own show on Netflix or something. I'm not saying that Levy Ross is going to go on there and, and call, you know, yeah. Nigel Shaw a twerp. Um, but just uh, kind of more, obviously it's, it's still, yeah, we working for Netflix or whatever, and they'd have their own editorial code, but it's someone else, right? It is a major player outside of, because chess is such a small world. It's got, it's like bubble.
0: Yeah. Whereas really if small.
2: you, yeah, if you had Netflix or prime or just a new player in the game, you're going to get different style, different ways of doing things. Um, and it's, and frankly, the professional, I mean, the media uh, conglomerates are going to do things better than the the, the chess media in a lot of respects. Uh, these are mainly just former players who, yeah, have done well, but perhaps aren't necessarily the best placed people to to bring the game forward in terms of publicity they can yeah. bring themselves forward in terms of publicity right
1: people um yeah i think people who people most people with a platform to actually sort with enough people who are going to listen to them to sort of Uh, sort of speak honestly and openly about what's going on in chess most of those people are too sort of like dependent on someone that they're potentially going to offend or or, or rub up the wrong way right like it's obviously it's easy for us right we this podcast is basically it's like a hobby for us right we do it because we like chess and we like Hanging out and chatting and stuff like that, so we kind of say what we want, right? Because we're not, you know, I'll be come on here and be rude about Nigel Short, right? Because I'm not expecting to ever need anything from him, but you know, I know that so many people who like might come out and, you know, they may okay, you get you know tweets about what's going on at the at the at the World Rapid and Blitz and stuff and things like that, but you know that in a heartbeat, if you know a lot of these people were offered some opportunity by, you know, yeah, to host to host something on on Chess Twenty Four or you know for FIDE or you know one of the broadcasts or something like that, they do it in a heartbeat right and so there's you know there's there's no um there's no uh there's no kind of n- nothing really sort of running in like independent stream in parallel with chess it's just kind of this one sort of quite messy ecosystem
0: yeah no i think that's uh, And the you know, one thing i wanted to just add about like even fide um you know as as, as much as people complain about fide I, I always like to you know remind people that you know how how, how it was like like 20 years ago was much worse like we went from like you know high crimes and corruption to like you know minor minor felonies or whatever with Fide. Like you know they they it is like Emil Sutovsky and Nigel Short. Like I I know as much as everyone likes Tarak and Nigel Short for you know sexist comments and and just kind of being uh, what's the word in 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 the UK is it knob? <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that's, that's, I can think of plenty more. Yeah. But,
1: uh, <laughs> um, but I won't for. Uh... But
0: I, I you know I, I still think that you know I it, it to me anyway it doesn't seem like uh, like Fide has it. it because you you are kind of right, right? Like um, Phil, that it, it, you know, at the end of the day, FIDE, you you kind of need something like FIDE, right? Like Kasparov tried to leave, FIDE. he tried to split and create like a a players run one, and it didn't really work, right? You need to have some kind of governing body for for chess, um. But but it, it it's a it's a very good point, I think that um. It does. I mean, even my podcast, right? Technically, Play Magnus Group, you know, sponsors my podcast, technically speaking through AIM channel. Yeah, you're a part of the problem,
2: David. Right. You're
3: in the pocket <laughs> of Big Magnus,
2: yeah, you
0: are. Exactly. I'm, <laughs> I'm in the pocket of Big Magnus. Exactly. You know, and so as um... you asked
1: us to say, we think Magnus Carlsen is great. Um, everyone should, uh, should.
3: Is this the bit where we read off those cards? Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, you, you read off the cards that I gave you um,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> about. Yeah, so, you know, that is actually a thing about Magnus, though. Um, I don't know if it's by design or I, I or I don't know if it's some some genius marketing by, you know, the, his circle or whatever. But be, yeah, he, he has like the whole like, you know, like chess press and chess engine like in his pocket, basically. Like it's kind of crazy.
1: I think it's because he's so dominant, right? Like without it, the problem is, is that what, are the, what can they do, right? Like if he, if Magnus wasn't playing, everyone would look at, you know, in a world championship match, as has been rumored, right? Everyone would look at him and be like, well, it's not real anymore. Like he kind of needs to be there to legitimize everything. I think the, uh, the, uh that his sort of idea of like oh like he kind of says it how it is and how he thinks is kind of like um i think it also also is a bit kind of pr as well right like i think he enjoys having that reputation yeah absolutely. it goes with his sort of like he does like to position himself i think as slightly like more of a i don't know He has thinking, like a like thinking
3: al- man's chess player isn't he? yeah it? <laughs> yeah yeah but
1: also kind of like an alpha male kind of like oh he's into yeah. sport and stuff like that you know outside of chess he's not just um yeah something like weird weird like lose a guy like, in a pub yeah
0: like new chronology or like collect stamps or whatever yeah so, yeah. like the other ones the old ones or you know he wears his man.
3: open open neck shirts doesn't he he's a bit succession yeah, yeah. in many respects like i've never watched succession <laughs> but like i get i get the again the whiff of that whenever i see like promo on tv sort of magnus with his sort of clean white shirts and, and shirt and and suit jacket and uh yeah always sort of posturing himself as being like a smart businessman and stuff
2: Daniel so yeah, dubov is cousin greg it just oh, I, don't, is. I don't know I Neither oh no <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: okay fair enough you can't make an analogy without You're going to get a oh
3: no, i can and i now. will i can and i will i've been talking about things that i don't have a clue about on this podcast yeah today. no yes. this is a chess podcast right? That's...
0: you know another thing that, that you mentioned that i thought was you know the kind of how small the chess world is right and um I remember, like last year, there was this there was this drama between you know the, the chess bras and Hikaru and, and so like you know there's this like chess bay character who was kind of running the entire chess Twitch streaming scene like just with like tens of thousands of dollars of donations. I'm just updating people who might not know about this. And there's uh, a lot of you know fighting between a bunch of these different streamers with uh, with Hikaru Nakamura who at that point was by far the largest streamer. Um, but then you had like, you know, the legion of fans come after and kind of, you know, tr- kind of ratio him on Twitter and all that. And, uh, you, know, you know, people saying, oh, well, you know, Hikaru has no friends. This is well known in the chess world. Nobody. And, and I always thought that it was kind of weird because it's kind of like that same dichotomy that people would say about like an Antonio Brown or an Odell Beckham or something, you know, when they're in trouble. Except this is like, you know, Hikaru is obviously a, he's a big person in chess, a big figure. But he, you know, it's not like it's that hard to reach him like at that point you he wasn't even like with the talent agency you could have like emailed him if you wanted to you know like well maybe at that point he was my point is like it's it's it, to me it always is it's shocking like how small chess is like if i tweet a nigel short right now you know he will read my tweet if i tweet something if i call him the <laughs> then op, block you yeah <laughs> you he'll should block it. It. immediately block you <laughs> but he he will like read that tweet and he's the vice president of fide so that like yeah it it is kind of small and and um but it, so do you, do you guys think that it's like uh, like uh, the issue is like more or less like about like courage? Like people are kind of just scared to like stick it to people on Twitter because they want those opportunities? Well, or... I,
1: I think there's a, a big thing here with, the, with chess has kind of like very quickly accelerated for a lot of people with the, the Twitch thing and YouTube and stuff. People like Levy, the, the Botez sisters, you know, people who sort of... Uh, have, have, rapidly changed from this position where it's like streaming hikaru streamed before chess before he was big right he had you know would stream when he just had a few hundred people whatever from his like hotel room or somewhere and he's on tour and stuff like that no i literally watched him yeah i
0: literally watched him like like he was one of the the, he was the first person i watched on switch like august 2017 or whatever
1: yeah. yeah and it's but the thing is is it's changed massively quickly into for a lot of people being their livelihood and so what would play out before is kind of like quite petty personal drama is suddenly like it's like messing with people's bag now. Right. Like if you're, you know, like it used to be. Oh, it's just you know the, the the Nakamura thing was like. Uh, I, my understanding is that N- Nakamura is not particularly sort of on a personal level like well liked by a lot of people in the chess world, right? For better or worse, I don't really want to get into like value judgments about mm. him or, or, right. or anyone else, right? Um, and stuff like that. But that once it, but it very you know once it changes from like well he's just not you know like very nice to people or whatever that is, is, is alleged about him to like um people saying that this person on behalf of this person or whatever, is like affecting my ability to actually do what is now becoming my job or something like that when you add that component into it it really um it really changes and uh, changes the dynamic and sort of how important it is like i if it was me right if someone came out and said they didn't like me on on, on, on you know i don't really care right because i'm not like a i don't have like a public persona really Mm -hmm. Uh, that's sort of relevant to my life whereas I I think chess wasn't I think a lot of people just weren't really prepared for to to take that step into like uh into sort of much more the public domain and also when it this the the, suddenly their actions stuff have much more significance not just to people sort of like their feelings but actually their ability to like do their do their job and stuff like that so I know the chess bras have felt like they've been very uh I guess victimized in all this by sort of behavior of some of the the people you've mentioned and stuff like that and that that is something that they do, do for a living right and so it would be very different it's one thing to have a you know you you feel like be personally slighted at someone but it's another thing to for someone to kind of attack But you know if someone came on and got in touch with my employer right and said oh they've said something on this podcast about chess that i disagree with you should like you know fire them from their job or something like that that would be like that would you know a very different line i just think I, I agree yeah I think yeah <laughs> i think a lot of you should be fired. i definitely didn't yeah. do that yeah. i definitely didn't do that robin <laughs> 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 to be honest uh no one needs to tell that to my they know yeah um, Yeah. I, but yeah I, you,
0: you- I just uh i i'm kind of wondering just because like um well, actually, I kind of forgot what I was going to say, so keep going. I'll just add that.
1: It, it, it's there's a professionalism aspect, right? Like chess is sort of being professionalized, but there's not necessarily a lot of professionalism and a bunch, a bunch of people who do it. Right? Most of the people involved in it are like there because they were good at chess, and that actually almost uniquely doesn't prepare you to exist in like a professional world because the reason most
3: people who play chess
1: professionally do so is because they don't want to have a real job, right?
3: Right. <laughs> I think I, I think as well the the fact that chess does breed egotistic people as well because like, there's an element of professional chess which is like I'm smarter than you for better yeah. or for worse like we can yeah. we don't need to talk about the ins and outs of whether or not being good at chess makes you smarter but the, the fact of the matter is that for years now we've had people in chess who think because I'm good at chess I can therefore you know pontificate about things that are way beyond my expertise like Nigel Short again is a great example yeah. of that um, but and I think when you add that into the mix you you do end, it. you sort of have that weird combination of what robin's talking about between like this move towards professionalism which is going to be always towards over blandization where you don't say anything interesting because at the end of the day you just want to get your bag and that's it and so why say anything controversial that could impact that but then on the other hand yet yeah, even even people like levy rosman right who has sort of single-handedly professionalized youtube chess streaming um there was he went through a phase of just being like Aggie with everyone and you just wouldn't see that in any other field I don't think like where he was there was some some dude who he called out for cheating on his stream and that sort of went wild for a little bit uh, and, and there's been times when he's, he's sort of been very overt in like I guess airing like petty squabbles on his actual YouTube channel which I don't think he does as much anymore because he has now hit the big time and maybe it's just a different level and it's again it's just to do with this huge volumatic increase that we've seen in chess streaming chess media but I think that kind of adds to it as well so you end up with 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 sort of this move towards professionalization and then on the other hand you can have people like Nigel Short coming out and saying women are hardwired to be worse at chess than men and stuff like that on the other which sort of makes for a, a pretty heady mixture at times I think
2: yeah but the yeah. problem with that is that now levy rosman is still doing his own thing and he's now in the big time where he's sponsoring big events actually he's providing the money for that he now has more to lose and so presumably therefore he's going to do fewer yeah, the, fewer yeah. th- and it just becomes this sort of this like pattern of this never-ending circle of sick of fancy and it's, it's, but that's uh, just
3: professionalism in general. Right?
2: Yes. But happens. if he, say, had a Netflix show or a network show on the states, he'd have an editorial, he'd have the backup, right? Where it's not him making the money, it's his employer. And they let him know what kind of editorial stuff to do, whereas he's going to make all those decisions himself. And then yeah. inevitably, he's going to go down the path of safety.
0: I think, uh, I, I thought about again, Mator, uh, legend, um, his his whole gimmick, I think, was you know being unsullied by sponsorships and kind of that whole veneer of editing or whatever. And now he has like this you know cryptocurrency company sponsoring his like you know big arena that like anybody can go play against you know these super strong grandmasters or whatever to to win one bitcoin. I don't know. I I think it's uh, I I think it's uh, I, I I guess like uh, Phil, you were talking about like a Netflix show of sorts, right? but yeah. um do you think that there's there's no space for let's say people like us to kind of uh to kind of grow and do you think that we we like if we grow big enough to have our own kind of show like that or are or, or we similarly not immune to the the what the cycle of sycophancy
2: like you said <laughs> i'd hope i'm i'm immune we... to it <laughs> if anyone wants me to say
3: if i start saying nice things about nigel short in the next few months you'll know why you've been bought you've been bought
2: <laughs> Yeah. I'd, I'd hope that, yeah, we'd, we'd, uh, continue doing what we do, which is just mainly to just have fun. Like, yeah, I mean, we, I'm a professional chess coach, like I can't, um, I can't say things like all children are awful. But that's about the limit, right? (laughs) That's that's that's. I can say pretty much anything else, and it's not going to. But I
0: I can clip you now saying all children are awful, and (laughs) you can. And
2: I've got I've got I'm recording this as well. I've got the receipts. (laughs) I've got I've got the uh, I've got the proviso in there. Now I I think that there is definitely a space for it, but that the I don't know. I mean, most people, right? They like the. The main players. They like that like your casual chess fan is gonna want to hear your your big guys talking about big things, which is why Perpetual Chess Podcast is so popular. We're not anywhere near that space, but we're doing completely different things anyway. We're not doing interview style um content. Uh I think that there's definitely potential for us to do more things in the community, as it were, like a live episode. Things like that that's definitely on the cards i mean we've been very unlucky with the timing we started this on january the 31st 2020 It's like covid patient zero uh so we haven't been able to be as ambitious with that kind of stuff as we might have otherwise been able to you know go into a chess club and do like a case study or john's,
1: uh, john's first silly question was what happens if i eat this bat so, <laughs> <laughs>
0: do they have bats in the UK? That's stupid. Yeah, oh, yeah man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, nice.
3: Yeah, big yeah. Target, cricket bats.
2: Yeah, they put they put a big one in the sky. There's a big like chess pit logo in the sky every time we want to record. Oh definitely. wow! So, yeah. Crazy. Um. Yeah, I think there's definitely room for it. Uh. The problem is that, yeah, it just requires a bit more than we can kind of offer without any like serious kind of backing. I mean, what I said in our latest episode was that what a what I'd love to see in the chess sphere is a mix between, um, do you know, Anthony Bourdain's parts unknown, right? So that kind of like travel culture show, but combined with what we had over here in the mid nineties, which was a uh, Gazetta football Italia, which, um, basically, uh english clubs were banned from playing in europe for a while and so a lot of english players went to italy in the early 90s including paul gascoigne and it was kind of italian football was therefore broadcast on live tv in the uk at the time when actually a lot of english football wasn't and so it became this huge thing and it was able to occupy this space of just being fun and because it had all the personalities sort of readily available, like James Richardson would just go into a, like a cafe in Turin and just sit outside and read the local papers about all the football coverage. We could, I mean, that's the kind of space that we operate in, um, this kind of irreverent thing. Yeah. And I, I, it, you, you do too. Uh, but it requires a lot of faith from your sort of casual listener to basically get involved in the in-jokes because inevitably there will be in-jokes. And There are, it, there are barriers to entry, right? Yeah. Like, There's like, well, barriers
0: to entry with chess too. I mean, seriously, like it's even if even professional chess, I mean, besides, besides like, you know, knowing Magnus, Nepo and maybe a couple of the other characters, like, you know, Fabiano and, and Hikaru, just as, as Americans, at least I'm sure in the UK it would be slightly different people like Luke McShane. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that's an in-joke.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we have um, them,
0: yeah, yeah. But I mean, aside from that, I mean, you know, where where do you even begin? You know what I mean? Like, like for me, it was just like kind of watching like a Gamador videos for like a year, um, and then starting to play chess and already kind of knowing all those characters. But I mean, these days, like, where do you begin? I mean, you watch like a Levy video and like learn some openings, and you know, get introduced to some you know eccentric characters. were are just pictures on like next to a chessboard. I mean. It is a huge barrier of entry, like I think, compared to like you know, like if you want to just put on a basketball game and oh, there's LeBron. Whoa, he's crazy good at this game. Clearly, like, you know what I mean?
3: It's also really hard to make the link between what being really good at chess is if you don't really know much about chess. Whereas I think with other sports, you can you can watch it and be like, I can see that this guy is better than everyone else. Whereas like I don't know if someone pushes a pawn and everyone's like, oh, that's a great move. That's why he's that's why no one is is, is at his level. You're just kind of like, what? I don't. Yeah. Get This ties
1: really neatly into that levy rosman tweet that went was was doing the rounds the other day about like it's people sort of start playing chess and they're you know after playing a few games there's like right okay how long is it going to take me to become like to get to like a titled player level right and and that is a big part of that is because you watch basketball right or something like that and you'd be like well i could just never do that right I could never get to that level or something. Whereas chess, it kind of like in your head, it's like, well, all they're doing is just moving pieces around. Like, I just need to learn a bit more about how, you know, stuff. And like, they can see themselves improve maybe a little bit and think that it's just going to, you know, go further and further. And so that that that's, I think, partly where where, where that comes from. Right. And it is um it is very uh, chess is sort of like what makes the upper echelons of chess tick is really a mystery to to many of people who would claim to be
3: chess fans, I think. We all have twenty-four hours in the day, Robin. I don't know what you're saying, but yeah, there's nothing stopping you from reaching that.
0: Well, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I literally in like the last two days, I think I have maybe, maybe one. I think my record in my last fifty rapid games, like past two days, has been like ten wins and forty-one losses, or something like that. And I just do not give a fuck. Like, you know, sorry to my listeners, just don't care. Because, like, you know, I'm, I'm playing for fun, and it's not fun for me. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm like doing my work or whatever, listening to music in the background, I'm not focused to it. But I, whatever, like i kind of agree with robin like um i know what robin is trying to say you know i think most people who pick up chess are never even going to sniff the master level right and that's okay i what i always get upset about and i've talked to this with like other you know people on chess twitter and like chess personalities whatever i've talked about this with them in dms or whatever Is just that it's it's very frustrating to see kind of like at least in a very public way this like fixation with like elo and improvement um i just don't think it's good for the game quite frankly. Like, on one hand, you know, I think if that's the kind of content that we're going to be making just in terms of people's rating and, and I kind of push that kind of thing, when really chess, more than anything, should be something you enjoy. Like, I don't see how that's good for anybody, especially, you I know, mean... I mean, I, I just want to say this last thing. Like, if you, if you climb from, you know, total beginner to 1500 and you didn't enjoy a single second of it, then like, OK, it's good that you've gotten into like this, 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 you know, very strong level in a short amount of time. But if you if you're not enjoying it, then what was the whole point? that has
2: to do with the pandemic though right That uh in-person chess clubs and in-person chess spaces where you can play more casually without necessarily having a number next to your name doesn't exist to the same degree right it hasn't hasn't done in the last couple of years and when things start to open up again properly then i think that will change and i Mm -hmm. think that's 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 the unfortunate side effect of the chess boom during the pandemic the the chess boom doesn't happen without the pandemic and the queen's gambit it was like the two kind of huge things that this came at the same time but if you're playing online inevitably you're gonna almost certainly play rated games which will give you a a number give you an idea of what i mean they're useful right to to gauge your progress but yeah, kind as of. you say as you say they're not necessarily the most helpful things for enjoyment right and so yeah. having more casual spaces again is something that will really help with that and hopefully will be soon
1: Yeah, it's natural to i think i think wanting to improve itself is natural i think that Part of what people were saying there was it's sort of like you can, it's okay to sort of want to just do things for enjoyment and not improve. And I do think that there is, I think there's slightly too much is made of that. It's like, actually, people, someone made the thing of like, oh, if you wanted to get better at cooking, it was this you, David, you said like you wouldn't, you know, necessarily no, make a spreadsheet. To, yeah, so you just... wouldn't make a spreadsheet to track like uh, improvements. And, and I kind of think, well, yeah, but you might, you know, you might try a recipe and then you might like try it again the next time and write down, you know, what you did differently and stuff like that. And you might want to sort of, I think this idea that just wanting to improve at anything takes the fun out of it naturally it is, it is sort of goes too far. But what I do think is the enjoyment has to come first. And with chess, because it uh, specifically because it has the e, the elo rating attached to it has this like you you are immediately sort of quantified and it immediately becomes like the result of winning a game is is that you get points for it and it, it's not like wh- when actually your your first relationship should, should be chess is you win a game and you enjoy winning because you feel like you made some good moves and you enjoy enjoyed that doing it and so it sort of abstracts like the the, the the enjoyment component out of it and just makes this immediate sort of neurological link between like playing and improving right, right. And, and and that being the important thing and i think that that, that is a is a problem and it, it it is one that uh the the online aspect has really like uh catapulted into existence right like you'll get a lot of people whose first chess games were in the online space and i think having online chess there for people who want to play chess is great but i think that actually it's probably better for people to just start playing chess by just, you know, them and a friend with a board. It's probably just a nicer way of doing it because then it becomes, your relationship with it just becomes far more different, right? It, not least it becomes like a, there's a, like a relationship to it with you and other people you might play with and stuff like that. John, you'll know this from playing, you know, with like your, um, with your like brother-in-law and stuff, things like that. It's like, it's, it's a completely different, like, or how you feel about sort of, um, you play unrated correspondence games, right? with um. Uh, with the, with Tom, right? And it's like, so you're not really worried about your rating. It's like, but you got immense joy from winning your first game against him like recently. But that wasn't because your rating ha- ha- had gone. And it was like, you've obviously improved a lot, but it wasn't like I've improved in this abstract sense of like, I'm going to get closer to this sort of like perceived rating goal. It's just like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying this and like I've worked, I've worked good
3: on this and now I'm like, can see some results and that's like nice for me. Right. But chess is a game where you play to win, right? And And I think that's what people miss when they talk about improvement. Often Often the idea is is that 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 you you should live in a world where you, you're playing chess where you don't want to win, which is just palpably stupid. Yeah. No one's playing to lose. And exactly that, the problem is is like you say, Robert. You could have fooled
2: me. There's,
3: <laughs> there's a causal link between between winning and, and your, your elo rating going up. And I think people then get carried away by the elo side of things because it's gamifying it, right? That's that's why it's popular. Um people like this this sort of notion that you can play and, and it can translate immediately into to win so i think that's why it happens but like you, obviously you're gonna want to win if you're playing chess because no one's playing to lose so i think that b- between all of, between all of those various constellations you end up with this this world where it becomes one very addictive to win and that's why you go on like rating point binge losses because well, this is
0: literally what happened to me because i well this is what happened to me i mean and again i'll go on twitter i'll go on my podcast and tell people yeah i don't care about rating <laughs> you care about rating, you, you plebs i mean on, that's that's dude, a dude. big hole in the wall yeah.
2: behind you, David. Was that yeah. a recent? That's a recent hole in the wall, yeah. Yeah, huge yeah. That, that was it from, looks quite f- fist-shaped. Yeah. Pure concrete <laughs> yeah.
0: too. It's pure <laughs> concrete. Um, no, but I literally I had reached basically my rating high as it's like twenty thirty-five rapid on. Okay, whatever. I, I I think my all-time high is like what twenty forty-one or, or something. My point is, I I basically had been working really hard on my chess all week, and then I lost this critical game. I was actually I I got matched up against a freaking FM actually. And I was completely winning against the FM like, uh, for like 20 moves, blundered the position in the Kings India or whatever. And then that, it's uh, exactly what you said, is that addiction. Because it's like that, that kind of like that sunk cost where you're like, oh, well, I just need more wins. I just need more wins. I just need more wins. And then now I'm some, somewhere in the mid-1800s, like way below. And I mean, I, I, again, I kind of don't really care because I don't think it's an indication of my level. Or, and, and it just doesn't matter. Like, who, I'm not trying to impress anybody. Like, it just doesn't matter. I know I'm improving. I have a lesson with my coach actually in an hour um but i then i tweeted like yesterday after i went on the first big collapse today this morning past six hours i've had a whole separate collapse since 7 a.m but um <laughs> but yesterday I, after i lost like 20 games in a row and i was gonna go meet one of my friends for like a drink and coding so i just tweeted like oh, I just lost 20 games in a row and I don't give a fuck or something like that. And uh, I came, I woke up this morning because I had like, do not disturb on my phone. And I see like, you know, the GM, uh, Daniel Gormali, who's, I think he's from the UK also. He Daniel to... Gormali. Yeah, Danielle.
1: <laughs> Danny Gormali to his friends. Yeah, <laughs> I,
0: see. yeah I mean, uh, so I saw he recently, I got like 50 likes and I see people in the replies saying like, uh, oh, you see, if I lose like one game, I don't play for like two weeks. And I'm like, really? Like, it's a game. Like, you have to play. Like, what are you, what are you scared of? Like, who's going to you think somebody's going to judge you like who, like who cares it's a game like what what is like what, i mean it feels it feels like shit to lose like i'm not gonna lie like it, it feels like it mentally feels terrible like they go on a huge rating loss but whatever i'll get it back whatever who cares
3: the, this this sort of speaks to my attitude to chess i think because uh, robin will tell you this i just i hate losing at chess so much that i just don't i don't want to improve at it because i know that improvement will come with losing a lot and so I, I'm, in, I'm I'm kind of in a weird space where where I it, it, it's I'm sort of caught between not wanting to do go through that painful series of like losses that you have to go through to improve, but also but I'm also scared that you if as soon as I do that I'll have to start putting a huge amount of time and and, and effort into getting better at chess as well. So I don't know at the moment I kind of I, I kind of think of myself as being like an adult non-improver. I mean I obviously want to get better and I do think that I am slowly improving
2: but you're improving uh, quickly john yeah yeah you're,
1: you're, you're yeah i think being around chess makes i think you're saying you have to put a massive round of effort but there's a lot of effort you can just get from sort of being around chess and thinking like the best way to improve about in chess is just to think about chess and yeah. so even though you're like playing co- like basically just like correspondence games right you're actually you're, you're sitting and analyzing a position right and presumably looking at it for quite a long time and just thinking about chess like like that i mean like yeah sure you can there's a lot there's more formal things you can do to improve right lessons but etc etc but I think that like just kind of it's a bit like learning a language right there's a certain degree right like by just immersing yourself in it that's what's gonna and um just basically so like I've improved like a lot in the last couple of years right and that's you know I've done the formal like certainly done quite a bit of the the formal stuff I think it's just the fact that like I think about chess a lot because I enjoy it and that's that 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 brings us back to our original point right of like Mm. you have to enjoy it because I think that or at least it it's it's only healthy to really try and and do it if, if try and improve if you enjoy it because otherwise what's the point like what are you eventually going to get and th- this is again this this like status thing that people have with chess we talked about this in the professional chess sense earlier oh people they want to be good at chess because they want to sort of show how clever they are that is massively true at the amateur level and it's a reason why it attracts a lot of these like finance people and stuff like that or now online like you've got these like tech bro nft people and stuff who like are into like agamator and stuff like that it's like um because it's this sort of um idea that like being smart in these very like niche abstract uh, sort of like um non uh I i guess sort of like a mathematical kind of things makes you somehow like very like intellectual and stuff like that and so then it is innately becomes like it's not about oh i'm doing this because I, I enjoy it it's like i'm doing this because well I, I have to be good at this because me being good at this game sort of has is is going to affirm my worldview view that i'm like a, a smart person or whatever uh and i think that and that is like quite a um a toxic thing if you were going to design like as well if you were going to like from a behavioral economics perspective design a game that's going to like a system that's going to make it something really addictive that elo system like other games use basically that elo system you yeah. win you gain a few points you lose like 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 that's got and it's almost amazing that chess hasn't like people who basically been used the use use that it's amazing that that sort of comes from chess basically but it's taken this long for chess to become part of that sort of like gamification ecosystem yeah Yeah,
3: it's it's based on a really like i think naive sort of view of the world i think that 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 um sense that if you're good at chess you're intelligent you know the the sorts of people who will read those those books that are just sort of like self-improvement books and 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 they just sort of kind of think that one plus one equals two is as as complicated as maths gets as I I don't know Nigel Shortism or something right this idea that you know men are are hardwired to be good at at chess and chess becoming then just something that's that's almost just like a taking something out of the neural systems of our head and just putting it onto a a board and being like, this is actually all that's going on in my head. And that kind of winds me up. And I can see why, like you said, like the finance guys and the NFT bros are are well into it. But I do think that there is way, way more to it than that, I I think.
2: It's also a a thing where chess players know, or people coming to the game and wanting to become good at chess, this kind of egotistical thing, know that the chess sphere will respond to that whereas normal life just won't respond to like right. you know you just you, you can't just yeah you, know, you can't just like you know get your big chest bollocks out in the middle of a cafe and people are going to go hey you know it's um, <laughs> no one's going to care but in the chess in the chess space like presumably you know a hedge fund manager saying yeah i've, I've made 55 million this year everyone's going oh oh how did he do that and it's, yeah. it's, the, it's the same principle right how many so chess I,
1: fans do you think their favourite movie is *Goodwill Hunting* because they just envision themselves funny. as they're <laughs> going to solve the problem on the on the on the blackboard and then they're going to be like, no, wow. I don't, I and don't they watch *Goodwill*. Like- What's good? Re-
0: nah, I don't think it's <laughs> real chess fans. I think that's like the specific kind of person, like the person who comes in and is like, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of like the crypto bro who's like coming in, like, like thinking, yeah, what is this game? It's like you know Max Deutsch, like when he tried to beat Magnus Carlsen, like the San Francisco dude. Have you seen that video? <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 so that's bad. I mean, that's, but that's literally like that's the. But guy. that's just a
1: grift, though. That's just a grift because he didn't even actually believe in what he was doing. Yeah. That was just like an attention grab thing. But I do think it is like not maybe to, to such an extreme degree, but I do think it is like really prevalent and is visible what we're saying is is a bit little bit true if you look at like the um Look at the sort of demographic of people who like actually play chess. When you go to tournaments and stuff, there's always this uh, thing about it being like loads of like um blokes and stuff like that. And there is part; it's just going to be like blokes with sort of who need a hobby and stuff like that. We talk about like chess culture a lot, and that's kind of one of the identifiable things. Certainly, a lot with like chess British world. chess culture, yeah. yeah, right. The kind of chess bloke and stuff like. That. But loads of those people will be like, it's all. It's so often like a um like Stephen Moss in in, in the rookie that the, the book talks about it being like retired balding accountants. Right. And stuff like that. People who come from the world of finance have made money. And now it's like, well, I'm going to kind of prove myself in this. I've sort of made enough money. Right. And I've got three kids and a wife who doesn't really like me, who actually does all the parenting and stuff. And then instead <laughs> I'm going to go to like Torquay to play in this tournament and stuff like, uh, and, and it's, um, and I do think, and it's not, that's not quite like the operational elitism, right. It's not people made, you know, millions and millions and stuff like that, but it's still like a lower level thing of this kind of like wanting to sort of, I guess, Prove yourself in a sphere that actually doesn't matter, but 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 like so sort of chess is chess is sort of big picture. Chess is guilty of perpetuating this idea. It does trade on the idea, this really intellectual sort of pursuit, right? It loves the, oh, you know, it's clever men retiring after dinner to the drawing room with like a glass of cognac and playing a game of chess. And it's like, oh, or it's like in, you know, in the beginning of from Russia with Love, right? When the the Spectre agent, like number four or whatever, is playing. Is playing in the in in the chess and stuff, right? right? Seeing so is this like he's this like tactical genius in like the world of crime, and this like is sort of the purest way to evince his intelligence is is through chess.
0: Yeah, and then you see like my chess games, and you're like, this guy's a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, I, I wonder how many chess players like kind of see themselves a little bit as like that Spectre agent from... I felt from like from the Spectre
0: agent like when I was playing this FM, because I was like, man, I'm so good at this game. I'm so good. <laughs> I, I was just talking, like, I literally I was like, this guy doesn't know how to play. Like, And then next thing I know, I lose. And then, you know, then the, the ego comes crashing down. This actually, I think, ties in to one thing I wanted to just say, which is, you know, the other half of chess improvement. Even if, you know, you're the most idealistic chess improver, you're doing a couple hours a day. As long as you have a job and as long as you have, like, a family to take care of or whatever, there is a point where I'm not even talking about a rating plateau. There is just a level that you will reach and you just will not get better. Like, there's, that's just how it is. That's just reality, right? Like, you know, I have a, a guitar back there. I've been playing guitar for many years. Guitar is a, purely a hobby for me. I've, I've literally played since I was, like, 9 or 10 years old. I played music for many years. Um, like I played piano, that's something that I've never talked about on the podcast actually, but I I played piano since I was very, very young and it was kind of a
2: startling admission.
0: Yeah. Startling admission. Um, but you know, I remember like when I was really young, uh, like I feel, feel like I could have been, I'm not, I don't want to do the whole, like, you know, I, if I didn't sprain my ankle, I would have gone pro, but there was kind of a choice in my life where Uh. if I I had put like, if I put like six hours into music a day, like I could have gone to music, I would have gone to music high school in, in, in uh in New York, or whatever. I could, I basically, my point is, I didn't want to do that, and I just kept it as a hobby. But you know, the downside of that is, you know, as much as I enjoy it as a hobby, there's also just certain things that I know I will never be able to do anymore just because of the amount of time I have in a day. And I kind of feel the same way with chess. Like, you know, I, I work very seriously on my chess. You know, contrary to what I say in the podcast, I, I always am putting like two three hours a day, like you know, 15, 20 hours a week into my chess. Like I really care about the game. But it also is like, you know, I, ha- I have a job. I'm going to be doing a PhD next year. Will I have time to do that? And no. So then at that point, it's like uh, you have to kind of make peace with, with you know, being realistic. And that goes all the way back to what I'm saying at the beginning, right, Robin, with what you brought up. You know, some people who think, oh, if I start playing chess eight hours a day right now, I'll be a FM in three years. That's not freaking realistic. That's just not how it works. And so it's I think it's, it's really like I, I just hope that. In the future, like on Chess Twitter, I hope that at the very least I can be that person of reason who could just be like, "It's just a game." I think that should be like the motto for like 2022. Not saying you shouldn't improve. I'm going to keep improving and all that, of course. But if you're not enjoying it, what's the point?
2: I think
1: you need to find external peace to find to to, to make peace with chess. Well, yeah. We're podcasters.
0: Hey, we don't have hey, external it's... peace. If you're <laughs> if you're making a podcast, you have zero external peace. You always feel like you have something <laughs> to say.
3: You know? No, I think that I do think that it's important to like the idea of a, of an adult non-improver. I think is an imp- is an important thing to to, agree. to talk about. I that think, I,
0: but I, I, you're a role model, I, and I'm not even saying that it's like a like an ironic like sorry, David, running No, 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 but you 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 are though, because like y- you need people who are just like, yeah, I play chess, I I enjoy it. Oh, here's this opening I learned. Yeah, this is fun. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, that that looks cool. Like what i feel like you know you'll have people like in the twitch chats you know during the world championship or during like some magnus event where you know they're completely saying oh you know people who are like sub 1200 shouldn't be in this chat like i know (laughs) some of it is just trolling like twitch trolling, but it always starts with a guy who's serious it always starts with a dude who's serious who becomes like copy pasted and like ratioed until like it becomes a dead joke but like i feel like um you need people who are just Right now in chess, I think with this huge surge of, of adult improvers, you, you, we 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 also need people who are just like just enjoying the game. Because I see some people like like the spreadsheet thing. Some people are like yeah, today I'm gonna do like I'm gonna do four hours of tactic training and then read these three books this week. And I'm like, where do you have the time? Like and, and, and does it, how is this like? Uh, how, like I you know I, I don't know. That's not how I improved. I just was like just playing games. I got better.
3: I feel like as well, these people like they they seem to think that as long as you're putting in time, you're going to improve as well. And there's no thought about like efficiency. So there's some people who I see on Twitter who just their work load when it comes to chess is just mind boggling. And I'm just kind of like that. Surely there surely has to be a point of saturation, at which point you're operating way above what, what you should possibly should be as well.
1: This is this may be expanding the conversation too much, but I just think it's like a toxic creep of like the sort of work grind set yeah, like yeah. culture that we have, right? This Absolutely. is the work. This is the work won't love you back thing of like everyone is now. You know, you go online and people are like, it's been a thing years, people are bragging about. Oh, good, yeah, I, I, you know, work so hard. I, you know, we've been taught by capitalism, right, that the whole thing is is the, the sort of the moral thing to do is work hard to make a good life for yourself. And the only, and if you're not sort of working hard on on doing something, then what's the point of your existence, right? And so. It's it's like people are bragging about how sleep deprived they are. It's like, oh yeah, I just get four hours of work. Cause I get up and I go to the gym and I do all these sort of, it's, you know, and then they, you know, and then Instagram exists so they can portray the sort of like handful of nice images that they can sort of come, which sort of portray that in a good life, right. In a good light. Right. And then it's just the same thing with, with, with chess, right. It's like, oh, they show themselves, you know, with, with this big pile of books of what they're doing and stuff like that, but it's like totally meaningless. Right. It's like, wh- like well done. Who cares about what you're doing? <laughs> like it's, um, and I just think that yeah, we've it's just it, 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 we focus on every everything now has become like a uh, has become like something you you commodify uh, in that result. You know, your 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 time itself has just been something how like you have to prove that you're spending your time effectively,
0: right?
1: And uh, uh, and stuff. And so with chess, it's like oh yeah, I've got to be like proving that I'm actually like doing the right things to improve and uh, and stuff like that. And it's it's just um it's just meaningless. It's just artifice
0: yeah i, also, I think you've hit it on the head i mean at the end of the day i mean i i i myself you know i i believe always i i it's not saying I don't like to work hard but good work you know go that's actually when I came to denmark from uh from the United states um for research that's something I kind of really noticed very like jarringly like people will come to work like in my office they'll come in at ten and leave at one and that's normal because it's all about the amount of work you do more so than you know how many hours you put in even you know if you because in america you have your nine. you i would have to come in the office at nine leave at five ish and uh it doesn't matter if i was productive not productive it, all that matters is that i showed up for that because that's like hard work so it's the same thing with like you buy these books or, or you know you're you're doing these incremented things and meanwhile like i don't know does that really translate to improvement because like i said like most of the improvement i've done has been from just getting a coach and just from playing a lot of games i haven't done much else so I think that there's just kind of something missing there, and I, I, yeah, I guess I guess that's um, that's just kind of how I feel. This is a, th- a therapy session, like the last episode, right? This is a, <laughs> we let it all out. Um, yeah, I guess on on that note, I just uh, you know, we have a nine minutes until the another commercial break, but I think we should. I have a, actually a chess lesson in half an hour um so yeah 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 so i, yeah, did, yeah. Yeah, so I do want to just uh wrap this one up um first of all uh well normally i do this instant insights thing but um there's three of you so this will take like forever so i guess i'll just ask uh i'll i'll just ask each of you guys to just share uh two things with uh with my audience first of all i want to just ask um what's your favorite opening but answer that second the other thing i want you to just to share your thoughts on
2: is um What's your uh, uh, favorite game? Favorite chess game? Okay, so my favorite game is. So we we have I can't remember how it came about, but I think John mispronounced Karpov as Parkov once, and it just <laughs> became this thing. Um, so Natalie Parkov against uh, Wolfgang Unzicker from I think 1976. Where it is the the chess equivalent of just. Yeah.
0: what's it the Bishop A7 fight? or whatever? Sorry? Or, it's the Bishop A7
2: it? one, yeah. Where he just, he just like just fights him into a corner and just just it's just like the, the wrestling pin. It's the chess equivalent of that. It's just complete control at all times. And it's just incredible. I love it. My favorite opening. Yeah. Yeah, let's go Karo Khan. I've, I've uh i've played it for 20 nearly 25 years and it has it has let me down many times but i still love it
0: that's literally me too it's yeah. like
2: that's what my mom says about me <laughs>
0: <laughs> the caracan yeah we are we are to our caracan opening what our moms are to us <laughs>
1: um my uh my favorite Game of all time is probably I think it's Kramnik Carlson, I think from about 2007 or so. It's this um, uh, it's and this will lead me on to my favourite opening, which is the Catalan. Um, it's like a, uh, a very positional Catalan squeeze game with pressure down the c file and this pair of knights. Um, Sort of operating on this this outpost, I think in on C6 possibly. Um, really, really, uh, really, really nice game, um, and just sort of I'm, I'm sort of really enjoy positional chess play, and that sort of like just uh, sort of it's just constant sort of improvement of your position and kind of denying your opponent good m- moves. Right, partly the reason for this is because I when I'm playing chess, as soon as my opponent, even if they play something unsound, but that's just kind of like um, sort of seems to carry threat or counterplay, I just am um, like. Uh, anything could happen at that point so i really like the sort of um that style of play which is really about sort of like just playing like um just really in a suffocating style and that really uh, really has that Um, i really like kramnik is like underrated as a as like a just a a really cool chess player i think um obviously like he's very famous and stuff and has a great reputation for how strong he was but i think that um people should talk about him more and there's the, the kind of like my favorite player is Capablanca and people should talk about him more in, in that sort of like mm-hmm. uh, that, that kind of way of thing. He he's d- did so much for chess uh, as well, sort of theoretically and stuff. I, th- I think he's awesome. And that, yeah, that game's great.
0: And from our adult and non-improver. Uh... Yeah.
3: I mean, I'm not like these nerds, so <laughs> I, I hope you're not expecting anything profound from me, but I'm going to say my favorite chess game is the one I played against Tom Lawrence and beat him. Uh, the first the, to take my record against him, uh, to one in 20 so um yeah that's the that's that's if, if that's not adult improvement for you what is you know yeah you really have to that's that's the grind set 19 games lost and then turning it around so yeah maybe i should continue to be a role model for you all um that was and me i'll with say my
0: blitz match on on i don't know if you guys ended up catching that i played against this uh at why must i lose this idiot that guy matt, matt ad, fletcher is our statistician master. Yeah, so I I played him in a blitz match on Twitch and I I got murdered. I think it was like the final score was like nineteen and a half to three and a half or something. Um, so you know, but I did beat him three times, so I drew once. So.
3: Hmm. And well, I must um, I lose
1: s- to this idiot three and a half times? Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, my my I'll say my favourite opening is the Roy Lopez because actually anyone I semi understand, and the only reason I semi understand it is because I watched the World Championship. So it's the it's it's probably the the opening that I I am able to do non terrible moves in the most
0: well there you have it so so caro catalan Rilopez, lopez is the holy trinity in my opinion personally i'm a fan of all three
1: we're not going to come on here i listened to the episode with benji and he came on he's talking about like the stonewall dutch and yeah and 1b3 and stuff and i just we had to yeah we have to uh show that uh i guess we, the sort of people, oh, like 1e4 yeah <laughs> i know that benji's french but we have to show that there's more to british chess culture than these like weird like novelty things
0: yeah, well, uh, I mean, honestly, one B three is is not the most. Uh, I I was more. No, I quite like. what... Well, I quite like. Yeah, yeah to Stonewall Touch. I think is more. That's definitely like a man of culture. I'll say. I'll put it to put it lightly. That's uh, <laughs> you know, that's like a personality trait. I think. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, this was this was lovely. I hope we do it again. I really mean that. Um, where can I find? Uh, well, I know where to find you guys. Where can my listeners find you guys? Obviously, you have the podcast, Chess Pit Podcast. Go subscribe to that, guys. Um help them out uh we can get a little you know mixture of of uh fan bases um but where else can uh can people find you
3: you can find me on twitter at john underscore mackenzie so that's where you'll find all my stuff
2: and then yeah the chess pit got chess pit pod just search for that We got pit pod.com Chesspit pod on twitter we have a facebook um yeah we're available on all good and bad podcast platforms I
1: don't know what my Twitter handle is. Uh, I couldn't <laughs> tell you. So.
0: Well, someone will find it somewhere, yeah. Uh, and listen, I mean, at some point, I, this summer, I hope to make mom um, before I go back across the pond. I hope to uh, make my way in the UK. So I, I would be uh, be my pleasure to, to to come chill with you guys uh, in the in the UK, talk chess over some some beers and stuff. Uh, I know, uh, John, you're not in London right now, but uh, but you know, maybe we can we can plan it out. Um, But yeah, this was a fantastic episode of 64 Chess Podcast. Uh, Subscribe if you like what you listen to. Uh, Please check me out on Patreon. If you wanna support, uh, it's it's patreon.com slash 64 podcast. You can just contribute as little as a dollar a month. Uh, I would really appreciate it, it goes a long way. You can also check out the uh, YouTube channel I just started, 64 Chess Channel. Um, All my links are in the description. Um, And yeah, please give this uh, episode a follow. You can reach me on Twitter at 64podcast. Let me know what you thought. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming, guys. And we'll hopefully do it again. And uh, until next time.